Praise the Lord, everybody. Where's Debbie Palmquist? Debbie, I really feel like that was a word for the church. She whispered to me what I believe to be a word of God, and um, I wanted to share it with the whole church. Would you share with me, share with the church what you shared with me? I feel like it's a word from God for us. As we were up here worshiping, and we know that a lot of us are called, and we've been waiting for this season, and in the visions meeting last year in November, Pastor Steve talked about a dam breaking. Well, that's part of something God showed me in 2010, that I would be in a church where a dam would break in the flood. Trevor's had a dream about it, and yeah. you just wait for the Lord. And as we were up here, and he called out Amanda and gave her the word, um, the Lord told me to tell Pastor Steve, thank you for obeying him, calling Amanda out for the voice that she has will cause deliverance and cause the dam to break. People will be set free, and the dam has cracked more today, which wow. means more of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit we've been waiting for. And then when the three of them started to seeing it was impactive for this generation so we yeah. have to let God do what he's going to do in this house wow. amen awesome by the way we believe here at La Palma Christian Center we believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are active today and available to all believers who would receive this gift these gifts there are plenty of Christians who really don't believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for us today. We are not one of those churches. We believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are in fact for us, including tongues and interpretation of tongues, which we saw in operation today through Miss Mickey. Another gift in operation through Debbie today. And I just thank God for it. It's a confirming word of God's Spirit empowering us to do what he desires us to do. Amen. I want you to open your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 today. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. As you're turning in your Bible, the ushers are passing out a postcard. Quickly, ushers, if you would, pass out this postcard to every person in the room. I am about to start a new series that I've entitled, Ask.God, a little play on Ask.com, but this series is unique. It's unique in that you are going to help me write it. What I mean is, do you have questions that you would like to ask God? Questions concerning the church? Questions concerning the Word of God? Are there things that you grapple with that you are trying to find answers to? I may not have all of the answers, but I'll do my best to try to gather the questions that are on our hearts and on our minds. And we're going to compile a series where I will answer your questions with the help of the Holy Spirit and the help of the Word of God. Ask.God. Just write down your questions my pastoral staff and I will go through these questions and we will, we will glean what we feel like are, are the, the questions that we need to answer in this series. So I'd like you to take care of that as soon as possible, even today. Um, at some point, you could drop that into the foyer. There will be a basket and someone will help you there. Ask.God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 
verse number 16. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Would you say this last sentence with me? But we have the mind of Christ. Lord, we say this in faith today, and it is our desire. We desire to have the mind of Christ. I'm asking that today there be a transformation in our thinking, our mentality. God, help us today in our mindset. Help us to reset, perhaps, our minds. Teach us today. As we give you praise, praying it in Jesus' name. Let me highlight a few fascinating facts about the human brain that maybe you didn't know and you didn't even know you needed to know. The weight of a human brain is about three to four pounds. That's the average weight of a human brain, three to four pounds. The cerebrum is the largest part of the brain, and it makes up about 85% of the brain's weight. Of the three to four pounds, about 85% of it is the cerebrum area of the brain. Did you know that your skin, if you were to combine all of your skin, your skin would weigh twice as much as your brain? Just some interesting facts concerning the human brain that you may not have known. There is what is called the gray matter of the brain. The brain's gray matter is made up of neurons. Neurons gather and transmit signals. So the neurons are firing and kind of telling the, uh, the rest of your body what to do. Your body doesn't function without the brain telling it what to do. Then there is the white matter. There's the gray matter, which are the neurons. The white matter is made up of dendrites and axons, which create the network by which the neurons send their signal. So it's kind of the pathway for the neurons. Once the neurons t uh, figure out the signals to tell, then the white matter is really that pathway. It's that network. Your brain is 60% white matter, the pathway, 40% gray matter, or the neurons, which gather and transmit the signals. Your brain is made up of about 75% water. Maybe that answers some questions for you. Did you know that your brain consists of about 100 billion neurons? Your brain, the human, each human brain consists of about 100 billion neurons. Then there are somewhere between 1,000 to 10,000 synapses for each neuron. 100 million, 100 billion neurons and 1,000 to 10,000 synapses for each neuron. Did you know that there are no pain receptors in your brain? Your brain can feel no pain. And many people who have brain surgery are actually awake when it's happening. Put me out. I don't want to be awake. 
Mm. Listen to this. There are approximately 100,000 miles of blood vessels in one human brain. 100,000 miles of blood vessels. How many know we are fearfully and wonderfully made? Your brain stops growing at the age of 18. Any 18-year-olds over here? You're all done, Frankie. <laughs> You're 18, Wesley? All done. Stops growing. It does continue to equate. It does continue to learn. So go to school, boys. All right? Keep learning. In fact, your brain can keep learning as long as it's functioning. You never stop learning. Did you know that? There's always room to learn something else. I really can't stand know-it-alls. You know what I mean? <laughs> Valine, how you feeling? You good, sis? Nice to see you today. Been praying for you. Breathe in. Take a deep breath. Come on, take a deep breath. Breathe out. You're healed in Jesus' name. Jesus heals you. Amen. Valine's been down a little while and out of the house here for a little while, but good to see her. She's like, she's like my aunt. <laughs> and uh, nice to see you. A little, just a few more. Did you know that reading aloud and talking aloud and often to a child promotes brain development? Did you know that? Teachers knew that. Teachers know that. Talking aloud, reading aloud. And Jamie, bilingual children, children who learn two languages before the age of five, this alters the brain structure, and when they become adults, adults have a much denser gray matter. I say that to Jamie because they're teaching Spanglish to their kids. <laughs> a little Spanish, a little English, and they're learning both, and it's actually beautiful. And not just Spanish, I'm telling you, any two languages, any child that is bilingual before the age of five, there's an expansion of capacity to learn. Your brain uses 20% of the total oxygen in your body. Our bodies need oxygen to function. Is that an oxygen tank right here, Karen? You need a little extra oxygen lately. But our bodies, all of our bodies need oxygen. Your brain uses 20% of it. As with oxygen, our brain also uses 20% of the blood that circulates throughout the whole body. Our body also needs blood pumping and flowing through it. The brain uses 20% of all the blood flow. Interesting facts. If your brain loses blood for 8 to, 20, eight to 10 seconds... Guess what happens? You pass out. That's right, Joe. You faint. You become unconscious. Information can be processed in the brain as slowly as 0.5 meters per second or as fast as 120 meters per second, which is about 268 miles per hour. I'll say it again. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. While you're awake, your brain generates between 10 and 23 watts of power, which is enough to illuminate a light bulb. 
That's why we say, oh, I have an idea. <laughs> the light bulb comes on. Did you know that you can't tickle yourself? Anybody that's ticklish? You can't really tickle yourself. Yeah, that's because your brain distinguishes between unexpected external touches and your own touch. And decision making. Women tend to take longer to, take, to make a decision, but are more likely to stick with the decision compared to men who are more likely to change their mind after making a decision. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. <laughs> Let me ask you a question today. As we continue our series in the anatomy of God, do you think that God has a brain? The scarecrow in The Wizard of Oz, he said, if I only had a brain. How many believe that God has a brain? How many don't think God has a brain? How many are not sure? How many don't want to play this game? <laughs> Sammy, I love you, buddy. Thank you for being honest right there. It's all good. Well, one thing I do know, the Bible says that he has a mind. And so today, just for a few minutes, go with me as we study the mind of God. The mind of God. Not only does God have a mind, our, our text tells us, it speaks of the mind of the Lord, the mind of Christ. Not only does God have a mind, get this, our minds are supposed to be like His mind. I wonder where we fall there. How do we fare there? Is your mind like the mind of Christ? Have you ever felt like you were going to lose your mind? I see heads nodding. Well, I'm going to give you permission today. In fact, I'm going to encourage it today. Lose your mind. Lose your mind so you can find the mind of God. So that we can have the mind of Christ. Do you know where the battle is day in and day out? It's in your mind. It's in your thought life, your mindset, your mentality. Before you ever act out inappropriate, you thought about it. Before you ever said something you wish you could take back, you thought about it. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. Lose your mind today so that you can have the mind of Christ. Open your Bible to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, give a beautiful description of the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. 
Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven, of those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Somebody say amen for this scripture today. We are to have the mind of Christ. And so, in order to have the mind of Christ, we must know what the mind of Christ is like. What is the mind of Christ like? I want you to take some notes today. First of all, we'll find the mind of Christ is submissive. The mind of Christ is submissive. Look here, Philippians 2 and 6. By the way, in just a few weeks, I'm going to launch out into a series entitled Got Joy. We're going to walk through the entire book of Philippians. It's a Wednesday study that's coming up. I don't want you to miss this. One of my, the, my favorite books in all the Word of God, one of my, the favorites in the New Testament, the book of Philippians, all about joy. I want you to join me here in a few weeks on this great study. Philippians 2, 6, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Jesus was submissive to the Father's plan of redemption. God the Father devised a great plan to redeem wayward man. Can you imagine before the birth of Christ, Jesus is in heaven where he right, rightfully belongs, and the Father says, Son, I'm not sending a flood. I already promised that I wouldn't redeem man that way anymore. He put a rainbow in the sky to remind us of his promise. But man that I have created out of love again has strayed. I want to redeem man. This is my plan. I'm sending you. Jesus submitted to the plan. He didn't argue with the Father and say, why not, why not send one of the top angels? There's Gabriel, there's Michael. Why not send Moses back? He did a good job the first time. Send someone else. Jesus submitted. Wow. He was submissive to the Father's plan to redeem mankind. He willingly left the splendor of heaven. He relinquished the glory of heaven. While in heaven, he is God in heaven. Now, let me say this. We believe that Jesus was all man when he came to earth, but also he was all God. Now, how can he be all God and all man? Well, I don't know. Maybe you'll write that down on ask.god. I don't know if I'll get to that or not. <laughs> But he was. When he stepped from heaven to become man, he relinquished the glory of heaven so he could walk the earth as a man. 
higher than the angels, worshipped by the saints, worshipped by the elders. But he submitted to God's plan. God's plan is beautifully summed up in one verse, and you know it well. It's John 3.16. God loved this world so much that he gave his only son. There it is. God's plan to redeem man. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And Jesus was submissive in the Father's plan. He willingly relinquished the glory of heaven. He willingly came as a man. He was born of a virgin. He lived as a man. He was tempted as a man. Wow. But he was still God. I'm talking to you about what's on the mind of Christ. If we're to have the mind of Christ, what is on his mind? Submitting to the Father's plan, submission. He willingly left the glory and splendor of heaven. He willingly came as a man. He willingly died for our sins. Remember, Jesus willingly died. He said, nobody takes my life. I lay it down. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that he didn't just come to be born of a baby? He didn't just come to live a, a life of miracles. He died for us. Willingly. He was submissive to the Father's plan even unto death. And I don't think he really liked this part of the Father's plan. In fact, we know he didn't. Because in the garden, he said, Lord, if there's another way, if possible, let this cup pass from me. But what else did he say after that, Al? Nevertheless. Somebody say, nevertheless. God, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will. Your will be done. Submission is on the mind of Christ. Let me ask you today, is your mind submissive to the mind of Christ? Your will be done. Could you give your life away? I'm not even talking about climbing up on a cross right now. Just submitting to God's plan. Clearly, there were dozens this morning who said, I feel God calling me. I want to submit to his plan. Not even sure what it looks like. I love it. I commend you. Keep submission. Keep submitting yourself to God's plan. What's on the mind of Christ? Well, the mind of Christ is also selfless. Look at verse 7 of Philippians 2. Made himself of no reputation. Now, if anyone deserved recognition, if anyone deserved a reputation, it was Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah that we have longed for and waited for, we've heard prophecy on. Finally, the Christ has come. If anyone deserved a reputation and recognition, it was Jesus, the King of kings, 
the Lord of Lords, God Himself, come as man. That's not what's on the mind of Christ. Selfless. Which is completely contrary to what's on our minds most days. Why? Because, well, we're selfish. We are selfish. Yes, I said we. I didn't say you. I said me. Us. We. We are selfish now. I'm just telling you. How many have ever heard me preach this before? How many have ever heard me say this before, right? If you've been at La Palma any amount of time, you've heard me say we're selfish. Well, here it is again. Why? Because we are. I have to keep reminding us. We're selfish. And we have to fight the selfish nature. He made himself of no reputation. We want, we want the recognition. We try to build our reputations. Trying to climb some ladder, whether it's in the workplace or even in ministry. It, it just baffles me how many ministries and ministers are trying to build their name and promote their ministry. It's all about Him. Come on, somebody. It's all about Him. It's not about me. It's never supposed to be about me. It's supposed to be about Him and building His kingdom. We are selfish. He is selfless. If you do a study of all the words of Jesus, you'll notice often he's talking about the Father. <laughs> Even early on, Mary says to Joseph, is Jesus with you? And he said, no, I thought he was with you. And they're looking everywhere for Jesus. You remember this? They finally found him in the temple. What did he say? Does anybody remember what he said as a 12-year-old boy? I've got to be about my father's business. He wasn't talking about Joseph at that time. He wasn't talking about a carpenter at that time. He was talking about God the Father. Even at the age of 12, he was promoting, talking about the Father. Is your mind selfish? Or selfless? What's on the mind of Christ? If our minds are to be like His, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. What is on the mind of Christ? The mind of Christ, thirdly, is a mind of serving or service. Back to Philippians 2 and 7. He made Himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant. Do you know that actually translates to slave? That's a bondservant is, a slave. If you were to sum up Jesus in one word, I think this word perfectly sums him up. Servant. Servant. Serving was always on his mind. How can I serve the people? The disciples didn't get that. He wanted to wash their feet. And they said, there's no way. 
He said, if I can't wash your feet, if I can't serve you in this way, you'll have no part of me. Of course, Peter, you know, the, the loud mouth, and the hothead, he said, well, then just wash my whole body. He's like, I don't need to wash your whole body. Let me wash your feet. Jesus came to serve. That's why he came. Matthew 20 and 28 tells us that. The Son of Man came not to be served. He came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to serve. We are called to serve. You'll never be forced to serve, but you're, you're certainly called to serve. If you're a follower of Christ, if you're a Christian, you're called to serve. I believe there are three levels of service here. First of all, serve Christ. We serve Christ. That starts by accepting Christ, deciding to follow Christ. I want to serve the Lord, right? I'm a Christian. You, you become a Christian. You're born again. So we serve the Lord. We don't serve Buddha. We don't serve Muhammad. I'm not throwing stones at anyone who is following another religion because they're deceived. They're deceived, Cheryl. I'm just telling you right now, they're deceived. And God is going to use you powerfully. You have a connection and a window of opportunity. I know. I've been praying for you since you texted me the other day. I've been praying for you. And they're just deceived, aren't they? I know you know it better than me. They're deceived. We're called to serve. We can either answer the call and say, yes, I'll, I'll serve. I, I can't do very much. That's how I feel. I can't do very much, and certainly somebody could do this better than me. That's true. Always. That's not the point, is it? Ever. God could put somebody here to do this way better than me. But he put me here, and he wants to use me. Will I serve Christ? Serve the Lord. Another level of service is serving the church. What are you doing for the Lord? If you say, I'm serving Christ, I'm a Christian, the proof of that will be your service in the church. There's so much that needs to be done. You know, the disciples were actually overwhelmed in the book of Acts. So much happening. And the needs were so great. And the people just kept coming to them with their needs. Finally, they said, we've got so many other believers in Christ. Why don't, we, why don't we deputize them and why don't they start serving? And they chose Stephen and a handful of others and they began to serve. It enabled the leadership to do what only they could do. It's the same today. Do you know how desperate I am for some people to say, Pastor, is there anything you need me to do? I looked out my window this morning trash along the side. Mike Jacob owns that. I mean, he just owns it. He picks up the trash for me. They're moving. 
Who's going to pick up the trash on Sunday morning? I mean, something as simple as that. I'm just looking for people to say, Pastor, what do you need done? I want to serve the Lord by serving the church. We serve Christ. We serve the church. We serve the community. I believe we're to serve the community and be a light in the community. Pastor Moses and Jamie, are, they have an amazing opportunity before them. And I believe much of what will happen is service to the community there in Anaheim. I really sense that. You know, Jacob, Jacob's not here. He was here the first service. What a great example of a guy who understands serving the community. You got a gift. You've got a handful of, of gifts going with you, by the way, really. I mean, it's just amazing. Uh, there's 15 people already going to Anaheim to help Pastor Moses and Jamie. Amanda and Jacob are two of them, and they, they get serving. I love that. We're called to serve. Serve Christ, serve the church, serve the community. What else is on the mind of Christ? Well, the mind of Christ, fourthly, is sympathetic. Verse 7, in its entirety, he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant. And look at this, he came in the likeness of man. Because he came in the likeness of man, he understands the struggles of man. And that is gender neutral. Mankind, he understands our struggle and so he can sympathize with us. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. We have one who in every respect has been tempted just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I am so glad that he came as a man and he's able to sympathize with my struggles, with my temptations, with my weaknesses. Hallelujah. How many are being tempted by the enemy? Twelve people. Well, God bless the rest of you. You ought to be up here preaching. I'm being tempted by the enemy every day. And he's customizing the temptation. The enemy can't read your mind, but he can certainly watch your life pattern. And I believe that he will customize a snare. He will customize your temptation. And what tempts me may not tempt you. What tempts you may not tempt your spouse. But all of us will be tempted in some way. Jesus says, I know just what you're feeling. There's no better counsel, Henry, than to counsel with someone who has come through a similar situation. It's the best counsel. It really is. Because they can say, I feel you. I know what you're going through. That's the Lord. Tempted in every way. Just like you. Just like me. Yet he was without sin. He knows our weakness. He was tempted like we are. And he will help us when we need the help. 
How many need a little help right now? You just need help in an area of temptation. He's going to help you today. He'll help you today. Let me ask you this question before I move on. Is your mind sympathetic? Our minds are to be like Christ. His mind is sympathetic. He was tempted like we are. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us, right? Is your mind sympathetic? Sometimes we just, as believers, we say, well, the Bible is just black and white. The Bible is clear how we're to live. And we use it as a club or a sword, right? You know, we say, well, the Bible is a sword, and we go lop off somebody's ear with the Bible. We're not to be judgmental, judgmental, right? It's a mentality of judging. As I said, there are people that are just confused. They're lost. We know the truth. We found the truth. And the light just illuminates off the page for us. But we need to be sympathetic with people who are lost. That's how we'll win them, I believe. What's on the mind of Christ? Well, it's a sacrificial mindset. The mind of Christ, number five, is sacrificial. Verse number eight of Philippians chapter two. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. Even the death of the cross. Why is this last part important? Why couldn't we just put the period here? He became obedient to the point of death. That should be enough. It is enough, but it's emphasized because it was no ordinary death. Stoning to death was very common in Jesus' day. They could have stoned Jesus to death. But the death of a cross was reserved For the vilest of criminals, the hardened criminals, the worst criminals. I believe that's why that's there. He became obedient to the point of death, even this most vile death, the death on the cross. Jesus became the ultimate sacrifice and he died on the cross for the sins of mankind. I believe throughout his life and ministry... This was on his mind. Serving the people, yes. Submission to the Father's plan, all on his mind, thinking about this. But I think in the resources of his mind, there was always this point that was coming. There was a cross coming. Death was coming. Suffering was coming. A sacrifice had to be made. Up to that point, it was just a bloody mess. They had to sacrifice animals to atone for sin. It was bloody and it was constant. Finally, John the Baptist, he says, Behold, the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world. He, he's, he's telling something that's about to happen. The ultimate sacrifice is about to be put on the altar. What's on the mind of Christ? Sacrifice. What's on the mind of the believers today? Is it sacrifice? If it is, 
it will require humility. Sacrifice always requires humility. Scripture says Jesus humbled himself. Well, here's a lesson. I don't have time to really develop this point like I'd like to, but if we would just humble ourselves, James 4.10 says, humble yourself before the Lord, and then he will exalt you. We try to exalt ourselves. We don't know how to humble ourselves, or we don't do it often enough. But if God, if, if you will just help us and teach us to humble ourselves, then our circumstances won't humble us. Then other people won't humble us. The enemy won't humble us. We've already humbled ourselves. We recognize that we are nothing. Our righteousness is like filthy rags. We need the help of God and we are nothing. We need to humble ourselves before God. And let him elevate and exalt in his time, in his season. Sacrifice requires humility. Sacrifice requires obedience. He humbled himself and became obedient. Do you know that God is still looking for obedience? <laughs> He's still just looking for somebody who will say, I'll obey. When he calls us to sacrifice, may we obey. Our minds are to be like the mind of Christ. Sacrificial. Humble. Ready to obey. There's just one more thing that I want to encourage you with before we leave here today. What is the mind of Christ like? It's supreme. The mind of Christ. Let me close this by rereading verses 9, 10, and 11. Therefore, God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven, of those on earth, of those under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love this, therefore. Whenever you see the word therefore, you need to ask this question, what is it there for? So you have to go back and reread, maybe. Because he submitted to the Father's plan, because of his mindset to serve, to sacrifice, to give his life, God says, I'm going to exalt your name and there'll be no other name higher. The name of Jesus is supreme above all other names. There is no other name. You do know that. There may be people that use the name today in an inappropriate way. But there's coming a day where they will say the name in the appropriate way. There may be those today that don't want to bow their, their knee to the Lordship of the name of Jesus Christ, but I don't have to be made to. I'm willing to. 
Come on, somebody. I'm willing to bow my knee. You don't have to force me to do it. I'll humble myself before the Lord. Every knee would bow at that name. Every tongue will confess. Those in heaven, those who've already gone before, those on earth, those under the earth. That includes the, the non-believers. There's people, they'll just go to their grave. I'm not going to believe. I didn't believe my whole life. I'm not going to believe now. That's fine. But let me just give you a warning. There's coming a day when you will confess. It'll be too late, unfortunately. But you will confess it. That's what the scripture says. You know, demons are subject to the name of Jesus. Demons have to leave when we speak in faith and in authority. Thus says the Lord, the name of Jesus frees you. There's power in the name of Jesus. And there's salvation found in no other name because no other name has been given whereby we must be saved, Acts 4.12 tells us. His name is supreme because he was willing to do all that the Father devised. He gave his name supremacy. His name is supreme. His ways are supreme. God, I'd like you to do it this way. Well, his ways are better than your ways. Come on, somebody. God, I thought you might do it this way. Yeah, but his ways are better than your ways. Hallelujah. His name is supreme. His ways are supreme. His thoughts are supreme. Hallelujah. Talking to you about his mindset. Well, the scripture tells us in Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, My thoughts, the Lord says, are not like your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts, says the Lord, are higher than your thoughts. Hallelujah. Who has understood the mind of the Lord? But we have the mind of Christ. I wonder if you could just say that in faith today. I have the mind of Christ. Jennifer, Jenny, I have the mind of Christ. So let me encourage you. Let this mind... Philippians 2.5, bring that up. Philippians 2.5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. The mind of God, submissive, selfless, serving, sympathetic, sacrificial, supreme. How many would like the mind of Christ today? How many want the mind of Christ today? I want to tell you how you can have it. Push the refresh button. <laughs> refresh your mind. Renew your mind. That's what Romans 12, 2 tells us. Don't be conformed to the world be transformed by the renewing of your mind 
That's the battlefield. Remember that. The enemy attacks us in our thinking. We start thinking on something too long and it causes us to react to that thought. That's why we have to take captive our thoughts to the obedience of Christ or the way that Christ thinks. His mind, wow, that, that's mind-blowing. <laughs> you ready to lose your mind today? If you want to lose your mind, so that you can know the mind of Christ. I want you up on your feet right now. Mm, I have lost my mind. Come on, somebody. I've lost my mind. And I don't even care. I don't want my old way of thinking anymore. Come on and lift your hands and say, God, renew, refresh. Hallelujah. I don't want to be conformed to this world. I want to be transformed. Hallelujah. Put your hand on your head right now. Say, God, help me with my mind. Help me with my thinking, my mindset. I need your help, God. If left to myself, I'm going to think the wrong things. I want the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Transform our minds today, God. Renew our thinking today, God Almighty. Hallelujah. Colossians 3.2. Claudia, what's it say? You know it by heart. I know you do. Colossians 3.2. I knew you knew it. Set your mind. Just like you set your watch, you set your clock. Set your mind. Every day. Decide what you're going to think about. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of earth. That's what Colossians 3.2 says. And I bet you know what Isaiah 26.3 says too. I know you do. I'm going to let that Rolodex click till you get to Isaiah 26.3, which says, He will keep... Whose mind is stayed, hallelujah. You never know when somebody's going to quiz you on the word, so know the word. Here's a woman of God. I'm, she's like a walking Bible. She really is. Isaiah 26.3. He will keep a person in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. Why? Because he trusts in it. Have you put your trust in Christ? If you're here today and you want to renew your trust in Christ and accept him as Savior, asking him to forgive you of your sin, I want you to throw your hand in the air right now. Let me pray for you before we leave. You want to accept Christ. Father, you see the hands of those raised today. We thank you that you're a saving Lord. And I ask that now you would forgive of sin. You would renew their hearts and their minds. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Holiness is what I long for.
transform your mind. Pastor Jim's coming to dismiss us in prayer today. Please know that Karen and I love you very much. We thank God for you. We're praying for you. That God would cause you to be what he wants you to be and his will would be done in your life. Don't forget, ask.god. Help me build this sermon. Amen.